0: Amen. Well, I wanted to say just being, um, as we were praying and just being led in worship this morning, um, sometimes I just forget how important that is to be led in worship. Um, I guess um, just it's so powerful. Um, and so I just want to thank Josh and Michelle and Emily for doing that for me this morning. And um, being in this role, I said this last time, and I just feel led to say it again, that like it's uncomfortable and it's I don't like it, to be honest. But yet there's so much, like God just meets you in, the, in those moments where you feel stretched. And you've, I've just felt such a, just a, such a deep presence of the Lord this week in doing this. And um, I just want to, I guess, say to all of us this morning, as, as just as Rebecca and Steve are being, are obedient and being stretched, and going to those places that you don't exactly know where it's going to go or what's going to happen, that God meets you there and he moves and it's by his power um, that he does that. So uh, my sister's here this morning. Uh, Her name's Lindsay. Wave your hand so everyone can say hi to you. So welcome, welcome. Um, Yes, we can. she deserves a round of applause. Yes. (laughs) Um, I just wanted to highlight that because my siblings and I were in this group chat on Facebook, and it's mostly just nonsense. Like, it's not worth even looking at. But a couple of weeks ago, um, me and my, my older brother, Justin, we were um, kind of going through like our childhood memories and just kind of piecing together this story that we both remembered. Um, and I just thought it was kind of a modern day parable of what we're going to look at in Mark today. And so it was from when I was, I was probably like five or six years old. We used to live in Redford, Michigan, and we, um, all our houses were kind of close together. So we were really close with all the neighborhood kids, and we would always be across the street at our friend Andrew's house. And my brother and I, um, especially when we were kids, a little bit of a complicated dynamic between us. um, He would always look for ways for me to be in trouble. Uh, He would just always try to kind of manipulate situations so that I would get in trouble. And he says today, he admits it, like the reason is because he was always in trouble. Like he was always the bad kid. And so he's trying to balance the scale of any time he can. Um, And so um, this particular day, we're over at my friend's house um, across the street and it becomes known somehow through conversation that I don't know a particular four-letter word. And so my brother figures this out, and I'm like a little kid, and he's, he, I think the gears are starting to turn. Like, okay, I have a lot of power right now. I have a lot of ways I can manipulate the situation. And so we kind of move on somehow. However that came up, we kind of move on. And then later, we're just kind of playing. And, and Justin out of nowhere just kind of looks at me. He's like, hey, Tyler. Um, Let's say you wanted to say the word fun, but then replace the end with like a K instead of an N. Like what what would you say? And so I said it. And his, my brother and our friend, their eyes just like open. And they're like, he did not just say it. Like that was the biggest deal in the world, you know, for a little kid. And so my brother just sprints home across the street. He runs into the house. He's like, mom, mom, Tyler said the F word. And I'm like crying. I don't know what's going on. I'm so confused. And so I run inside and I'm like trying to explain to my mom what happened. And my mom, like she, 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 she she picks it up. Like she understands kind of the situation that, that has happened. And I think, she she realized, like, yes, the word came out of my mouth, but, like, it wasn't something that was reflective of my heart. It wasn't something that, like, I was angry or, like, I said it. I just literally didn't know what it was. And, um, It was funny because it really backfired on my brother who ended up being in a lot of trouble, you know, Um, which is just the way, that's the story of like our child. That's just the way it goes. Um, But it was just interesting. Um, And I think that that idea that, um, you know, my mom was able to sort of pick up on the idea that the sort of the outward expression of what happened in that moment, it wasn't a reflection of what was inside. Um, And that's what we're going to kind of talk about this morning. And we're going to be in Mark 7, but I want to just highlight one verse from that. So yeah, you can turn there in your Bibles um, to Mark chapter 7. And before we read that, I just want to, want to point out this, just, just highlight this verse that's going to kind of give a lot of context for really where we're going. So this is um, verses 6 and 7 in this story. Um, and it says that, this is Jesus um, talking about the Pharisees. Um, and he says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. And this is what I think God um, is just inviting us to seek him with today. Um, and, and really, um, in light of, in light of that, that idea, just a simple question that I'm asking myself and for all of us is, what is on the throne of my heart? Um, and I'm going to have that up on the screen a couple times this morning, um, just to kind of keep us pondering that question um, as we talk about a few examples of that. Um, and so I want to talk, before we jump into the story, um, just a little bit of my own um journey in, in reading scripture, specifically the gospel, that I want to um, sort of say as much to myself as to you, but um, we see in the gospels all these stories, the very similar sort of groups of characters where we see the Pharisees and Jesus and the disciples as a very common sort of arrangement where we see these par- these parables and these stories come from. And usually it's like the Pharisees who are misinterpreting the law and really religiously trying to follow it, but really falling short of the Messiah who's standing right in front of them. And they're so, they're so focused on, you know, the religion that they're not even seeing the light of the world right in front of them. And so Jesus is the one who's kind of trying to reopen their eyes to what's really happening. And then you have the disciples who are usually just kind of confused by it. They're like, I don't know what Jesus is trying to say. And then he has to explain it to them. And we see that happen over and over again throughout the gospel. Um, For me, especially when I was a kid, growing up reading these stories, I had a way, I always put myself, I think because I'm a Christian and I'm a believer in Jesus, I put myself in the position of the disciples. Like, that's where I kind of always see myself, is I'm his follower, and then we we kind of do that when we read. Like, we're the disciples, and we imagine other people as the Pharisees, whether that's people in our lives or whatever. Um, And and really, it can almost be more satisfying to read it that way, because it's kind of fun to be like, man, the Pharisees are so shallow-minded, they're so... You know unsophisticated and it's almost like enjoyable in that sense, and I guess in my life I've come to realize that I really do think that there's a scheme of the enemy that wants us to keep us from going in Christ by like using that kind of heart of pride to keep us from really seeing the Pharisee in ourself um, and I think there's a lot of instances where he just wants us to see the specks in everyone else's eyes and not see the plank in our own eye and so um, I think um, my challenge for us as we read this is to to put ourselves not in the position of the disciple, but instead ask yourself, like, where's the, the Pharisee in me? Because I think that's where we can learn, where we can grow, and we can become more like Christ. Um, so, with that said, we're going to read this. So, this is Mark chapter 7. We're going to read the first few verses. I think we're going to go through 13. So, um, I'm reading from the NLT. I've always just liked reading from the NLT. So, if you have a different version, that's totally fine too. But so it says, One day some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand-washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands as required by their ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but many of the traditions they have clung to, such as ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked him, why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Jesus replied, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. And then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. For instance, Moses, uh, sorry. for instance, Moses gave you this law from God, honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down the word of God. I'm sorry, you, you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. Um, so I think in that last passage, there's a whole, probably a whole message we could talk about that. Um, but but the basic idea, I want to I actually pick up on something that um, that Dave spoke on a couple of weeks ago, which is the difference between religion and relationship with Jesus. And so religion is what I think about, like, all the man-made stuff, right? It's, it's, it's this building, the, the rules, the customs, um, In a lot of ways, I think about just like the Christian culture that exists around our actual relationship with Jesus. So um, if you think about like where we live, if you think about the time that we live in, um, these things all affect the culture that exists around our relationship. And so just like in Zambia, there's a completely different culture of Christianity that if you were to worship with believers out there, it'd be completely different. Just like in the 70s in West Michigan, it was completely different. And I think it's sometimes important to sort of like recognize and realize what are the things about. About our culture that are present, that we have sort of conflated to be maybe more important than they are or even more spiritual than they are. Um, and I just think about that, like in this example, it's a hand-washing ceremony, which we don't have a lot of context for. It sounds kind of weird, like it sounds kind of fun. Maybe we should do hand-washing ceremonies here. I don't know. But at the time, um, there's they were really trying to follow the law. They were really trying to follow Old Testament law in doing that. But in doing so, they started to focus way more on just the outward expression of it and not the inner part of it and not what's actually happening in their hearts. And so, for example, I just try to think about these things like today. And for me, doing worship a lot, I think about just like the instruments that we use. I think about um, the songs that we're singing. And I even think about like the genre of music that is Christian music and like how much that has just become associated with our culture um, and I don't even know how to explain the genre of Christian music. I don't know if you can, see, but it's like, I've always said it's like a slightly less aggressive U2. Like, if you guys know U2, that's kind of like what Christian music is. And yet, we've sort of just embraced that as like, this is like what our music is. And just for like an example, just to think about, like, I know there's a church in Grand Rapids called The Edge, if you guys know that church, but they, they use hip-hop to worship. And there's a part of me that I'm like, man, that's really foreign. Like, that seems really interesting. And I was doing some other um, looking around, and there's something This is pretty crazy. There's something that's becoming popular in Finland. It's called metal mass and it's heavy metal worship. And they, this is becoming like pretty popular in Finland. Um, And it's just so interesting. Like when we think about that, because it's so foreign and it's so different from our culture of Christianity. And I think it really begs the question, you know, how do we respond and react to things that just break the mold of what we're used to as Christians? And what does Jesus think about that? Um, So when we look at this story, um, I think it's, in a way, it's very similar what the Pharisees are doing to what my brother was doing to me as a kid, where he, the, the Pharisees are sort of trying to trap Jesus, trying to trap the disciples into saying, you have broken this law, you've done something wrong, and therefore you're sinning against God. Um, but then Jesus is the one who really turns this around on them because um, the Pharisees are focusing on that outward expression. They're focusing on the, the ritual, they're focusing on, on the human, the man-made, and Jesus is looking deeper than that. And I think Jesus is looking at the disciples in the same way that he would look at metal mass. And he was saying like, I'm not looking at the style. I'm not looking at the music. I'm looking at your heart and I'm looking at what's going on inside. And I think that's the main point that Jesus is making in in that verse six again, where he says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And that's that's the hypocrisy that Jesus is pointing out. Um, it really reminds me in Matthew 7 when um, Jesus says, there's going to be many people that come to me and they say, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? You know, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we heal in your name? And he's going to say, I never knew you, you know? Um, and it's because they're, they're doing these outward things. They're doing these things that are these actions, but it's not a reflection of, of their hearts and their relationship with Jesus. Um, so I think that's where the the question comes in like what is on the throne of my heart what is the thing that is actually prompting me? What is the thing that is driving me? What is the thing that's, that's causing me to say the things that I say, doing the things that I do, giving the way that I give? Um, what is, what's, what's on the throne? What is, is, there, is there idols in my heart that I'm, that I'm more devoted to than Jesus? Because really what Jesus is doing, um, he's exposing an idol when he's, when he's doing this. He's exposing an idol of religion in the Pharisee. Um, he's exposing the fact they are more concerned with earthly culture than they are the kingdom of heaven, right? Right. Um, and so I, I just asked myself, like, what am I bowing to? And what would Jesus say when he looks at my heart and he asks, you know, what, what, what are you really devoted to? Um, and I think we can get so caught up in just doing the right thing. It's kind of like what Dave, Dave is talking about. Like, even with church culture, like, we just want to come and do our things because we feel good about that. And it feels like we're sort of doing our duty and checking the box. And... Um, I think that's how we can really fall into just lukewarm Christianity, where we're just kind of going through the motions because we're not focusing on what's happening in our hearts. We're focusing on just the outward expression. Um, There's a quote by his name's uh, Brennan Manning. Many of you have probably heard this before, but it's always stuck with me because uh, we had a DC Talk CD, and, and they used this quote at the beginning of one of their songs. And so I just heard it from a very young age, and it's it's truly like almost like always been in the back of my head since I was a kid, um, because it's so poignant to me, but this is what it says, and you maybe heard this, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians, (laughs) who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyle, and I think about that all the time, Um, I think about what that says, Um, about the church, um, what that says about, you know, the fact that we are Christ's ambassadors, Um, we are the representatives of heaven, um, and we are meant to display Jesus. And the second part of that quote is, um, that's what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable, you know, when they see that. Um, And so I want to talk about something that's just really close to our hearts as just kind of, like, one big example of this. And in my flesh, I was really nervous about the timing of sharing this message this week. Um, and there's a part of me that was like, okay, this is a mistake that we, we planned it this way. But in just seeking the Lord, um, I just had this great, great sense of peace and comfort um, that he wants to speak uh, through his word this morning in this way. And I was actually sitting down... Um, on Tuesday right after I had voted. So I, I went to the the, the election uh, poll and then I, I went right to a, to a coffee shop just to kind of sit and process and kind of just ask, seeking the Lord. And I wanted to do that actually um, before the results. I wanted to do that before I even knew what was going to happen because this is, um, this is eternal, right? This does not change based on our earthly circumstances. This does not change based on what happens. Um, this is the rock. And so I wanted to have... Um, a moment to just like seek the Lord and say, "What do you say about this?" Um, because I want to do that um, in spite of uh, in spite of all this stuff. And so, um, I want to just go to His Word. And what gives me peace is that um, I don't have a unique access to the Father. We all have access to the Father through His Word, through His Spirit, and through His Body. And so, um, I just think we ought to do that this week um, by His Word and through this Holy Spirit is to seek His truth. Um, so, if you if you have your Bible, this will be on the screen as well, but. Turn with me to Second Timothy um, Chapter three, and this, this, this will feel i 'll be honest like discouraging i 'll just say that right away, um, but it's, it's an important part of our perspective and um, I guess also I want to clarify that I don't believe in saying one way or another, like we're in the end times or not. It says in his word that not even the angels know the day or the hour of that. So this is not necessarily a reflection of where we are in this current moment, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an indication of where we're going. It's an indication of where we're headed. Um, so Second Timothy chapter 3, um, this is Paul in his last days, really, um, in prison. He's writing to uh, his disciple in Timothy. And he says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but then they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. And here's, I guess, what I want to keep in, in, in our perspective um, just this is not our home um, this is This is a temporary home that we 're living in um, we 're not citizens of earth we 're citizens of what heaven and you know right here is sort of the direction that this this temporary world is headed if we believe in the Word of God right so you know, a couple of things. Um, when this happens, when we see signs of this and glimpses of this happening, number one, God is not surprised. Um, God has foreseen the timeline of earth from beginning to the end. And he is over all of that. He is in control of all of that. And there's this deep inner sense of peace that I ought to feel about this world because of that truth. Um, he knows everything. His hand is on everything. He is completely um, sovereign over this world. And I think sometimes um, I can fall into the temptation of just sort of riding the wave of what's happening around me, and I'll get really high and really low, and it's like, you know, if we live that way, we're going to end up in a really dark place because that's not where our hope is in, is in the ups and downs of culture, the ups and downs of society. Um, but our hope is not... In that temporary plane, our hope is in an eternal plane. And so, what I want to do now is actually turn to Revelation 21, because this is our our eternal um, our eternal hope, our eternal destination. Um, so, this is Revelation chapter 21, uh, starting at verse one. It says, "Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone." And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I'm thinking about that song we sang this morning of when we arrive on eternity shore where death is a memory, tears are no more. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. So that's our hope, right? That is the hope of the world. This is, this, this is what we have to cling to. Um, And I I just confess that sometimes I spend so much of my time here on earth concerned just with present culture and and present things that I'm not able to be used by God to bring this truth into the world because that's who we are as Christians. That's what it means to be an ambassador of Christ. Um, People don't need Christian culture. They don't need religion. They don't need man-made ideas. They need the hope of Jesus. They need to know their savior. They need to know their creator. They need to know this one who's going to wipe their tears away from their eyes, who's going to give them water from the spring of life, who will ultimately put an end to the death and the sorrow and the pain. That's um, that's what Jesus calls us to do, is to bring that light, to bring that hope and that gospel to a world that is in darkness. And the truth is that... um, if we spend our lives and we, and, we, and we spend so much of our heart's um, desire just trying to push culture and push society where we think it needs to go, number one, we're going to be really disappointed because we're going to fail at that. That's not, our, that's not our role as Christians. And two, we're going to miss out on our actual purpose on earth, to be his hands and feet, um, to be his ambassadors, um, because our job is not to fix culture. Our job is to bring the light of Jesus to the darkness. And through the power of his love, through his righteousness, through his justice, through the blood of Jesus, people coming to know their. Savior. And here we go. To get really specific, um, the laws that we have in place in our society as it regards to immigration, to abortion, to the people that we elect in office to be our governor, to be our president, none of that changes our mandate as ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven to bring this to this world. And so, in order to bring order to chaos, to care for the orphan and the widow, to stand up for the weak and the oppressed, to be devoted to one another in love, to forgive one another, to bring the gospel of Jesus to the lost, that they may come to know the hope that we have in him. The enemy wants us so desperately to be so focused on our own bitterness, our own anger, that we can't do that. And I think that's a scheme that is at large work right now. He wants to keep us from displaying love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, forgiveness to one another. He wants us to sit in our, our anger so that we cannot be the light of the world. And I think it's in times like this, um, sometimes it, it's just a, a cultural moment, whether it's an election, um, where there's a the spotlight on society. I think about like COVID and, and kind of the spotlight that that put on, on our culture where people are looking a little bit harder at the church. People are looking a little bit closer at us and they want to, and they're almost asking us like, what are you putting your hope in? Um, and I just, I, I ask us, are we fixing our eyes on what is seen or what's unseen? Um, and, and, and all of this is not to say that we shouldn't care, that we shouldn't pray, that we shouldn't vote. Um, but the truth is that the candidates and the proposals on that ballot, none of that changes the truth of the word of God, that we have a eternal hope in Jesus. Amen. And so that's what it looks like for me right now to abandon religion, to abandon the world, and to say, God, I just want you. I need you to move. Um, I just want to read this one verse from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter Five, um, just to kind of to close us this morning as we as we think about who we are as Christians and who we are as the light of the world. And I actually don't have this, so if you can throw that up on the screen. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him him we might become the righteousness of God. I just want to invite the worship team up. Um, And we're just going to sing these words that speak to us that our God does not change, that he is eternal, that we put our hope not in temporary things, but not in earthly things, but we put our hope in him. Um, and I just want us to close our eyes as I, as I pray. And I just want to use, um, this, this scripture as we pray, um, just to, to speak to our hearts, um, that we would, we would abandon idols, that we would abandon the things that have taken that place on the throne of our hearts and that we would put our hope in the light of the world the one who was and is and is to come. And so this is what we pray this morning, Lord. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so God, we... um, We just surrender our hearts to you this morning. And we say that we believe in your word. We believe when you say that you are going to come from heaven, that you are going to make everything new, that you will come before us and say, I am the Alpha and the Omega. It is finished. I am the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. And I will be their God and they will be my children. And so, Lord... We want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of your kingdom. We want to be a church that is known for advancing the kingdom of heaven on this earth, for pursuing the things of heaven, not the things of earth. And so, God, we ask that you would surrender our hearts to you, Lord, that we would seek you fervently every day that we wake up, that we, we choose not to pursue the things of earth, but pursue the things of heaven, God. And we just, we, we, we surrender our, um, our pride. We surrender the things that are of, of our flesh, Lord. And we ask, God, may you fill us with the tr- spirit of truth, with the spirit of wisdom, with the spirit of discernment, the spirit of love, of joy, the fruits of the spirit that come only from you, Lord. We ask for you to move in us, God, to be the light of the world. And Lord, this morning, just as we worship, I pray just for that sense of confidence in who you are, that we we can know that we have a great hope, that we have a freedom in the light of the world um, who is the God before the beginning of time um, and will always be the God till the end of time um, that you have never changed, that, that, that the, the 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 things of this world that, that seem to pull us in this direction, that direction, God, you are the rock, you are stable, you are firm, you are the foundation of it all, God. And so we worship you. Um, because of who you are. We worship you because we can trust you, Lord. And I just pray, God, as we as we just stand and, and we enter into Your presence again this morning, and as we leave from this place, um, that we would just go with with the knowledge of the light of the world within us, shining within us. God, may when people see us, may they see something that is different. May they see something that is um, that is of You, that is eternal, and may they they want to know that. May they want to know their Savior. God, we ask for a movement, as we've seen in this area, God, of people coming to You in prayer for twenty four hours straight. Lord, we ask that you would continue that work in this place, God. May you continue to move, to bring your light into the darkness that we see around us every day, Lord. We just cry out to you and we say, God, we need you. My God, we need you. And so we, uh, we just um, we ask, God, that you would use us to be a part of your, your plan, God. We, we surrender ourselves to you and ask that you would continue to move in our hearts and that we would not just hear, but we would obey, God, that we would listen and we would obey to step forth in faith and boldness to be your ambassadors and to be the kingdom of heaven to this world that so desperately needs to know Jesus, God. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.